Amen. But follow the path that Jesus has for us. And so with that in mind, I'm simply going to preach today on the Jesus path. Everybody say the Jesus path. Look at someone near you and say, pastor's preaching on the Jesus path. Matthew chapter 7, in verse number 13, Jesus speaks and says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. What's the it? The it is the broad way. The wide gate. Verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. What's the it? The it there in verse 14 is the narrow gate the way which leads not to death, not to destruction, but to life. Now, I think that the context of Scripture is very important because if without context we take verses and we kind of piece them together and we can make things say things that I don't think the Bible says. But the context when Jesus talks about the broad way and the wide gate, and the narrow way, and the narrow gate. Uh, It's a subject that those to whom he talked, they knew what he was talking about. Because, and I'll share a little bit of this more with you later, but in Jerusalem, there were eight gates that circle the city of Jerusalem, even to this day. And uh, it is the way by which Jerusalemites and guess, traverse, do business, enter in, and go out. They literally walk through gates. Uh, that, that may seem a little strange to us because, I don't know, I've lived here a long time now, but I've never seen the gate of Cabot. I've seen the railroad tracks sitting still next to the railroad tracks many times in my life, but I've never seen a gate. And so it's easy to to kind of miss the significance of this. And so when Jesus says that there's a wide gate and there's a narrow gate, he's talking in terms that these people understood. They understood the, the commerce of life and they understood the flow of life and they understood the entry and the exit of life. And so when Jesus talks about this path, this way that they should travel, uh, it, was, it was an understandable terminology to the people because they had a path that they would take to get into the city. They had a path that they would take to go to their house. They had a path that they literally would walk on. We've got to get it out of our Western mentality of vehicles and trains and planes and all that stuff. It, it was the path. It was the direction. It was the flow of humanity. And so when you and I come to this passage many, many years after Jesus spoke this, and we consider this path of which he speaks, we have to ask ourselves, what is that path that Jesus is 
calling us to walk on? Is there a way? Is there a, uh, an obvious way? And I want to submit to us uh, from the scripture today that first of all, the path of Jesus, the Jesus path is a path of obvious love. Now, if you're waiting for this sermon to get good, it's good right now. So jump on in, all right? I don't say that arrogantly, but, 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 but preach with me today. How many of you will preach with pastor today? The Jesus path is a path of obvious love. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 12, verse 18, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and they asked Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. And the Bible does say that, by the way, in the law of Moses. Verse 20. Now, there were seven brothers. They continue. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying, he left no offspring. And the second took her. The second brother took her. And he died, nor did he leave any offspring. And the third, likewise. Look at verse 22. So the seven had her and left no offspring. This is a real Bible example of them making up a story. Hey, Jesus, this woman had a husband. He dies. They had no kids. And according to the law that, that, that we think you're transgressing, his brother needs to take her and marry her. And he married her, and they had no kids. And she had all seven brothers at some time. They had a lot of dying and a lot of marrying going on in that family. And so the seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. Here's their question. Therefore, in the resurrection... When they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Now, do you understand real quickly, and I'm going to get to more passage of scripture here, but do you understand? They're trying to trick him. They don't believe there's a resurrection. That was one of the common tenets of belief of the Sadducees. But Jesus answered, verse 24, and said to them, here we go. Are you not therefore mistaken? Now listen, if Jesus starts off the conversation with you by saying, are you not therefore mistaken, You're, you need to buckle up because he's fixing to whack you. <laughs> are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush passage how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. And he concludes by simply saying, you are therefore greatly mistaken. Now, I can imagine, if you will allow me to use my imagination, those Sadducees wishing that they had not started that conversation. But watch what happens next. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, he'd heard this exchange, 
perceiving that he had answered them well, ask him, which is the first commandment of all? Now, stop long enough for me to say this. I get the picture of this scribe saying, Jesus, come here. That was awesome. You just put them in their place. He perceived that Jesus had answered them well, and it built trust in him to ask more probing questions, to which he asked, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. It is in these poignant words that Jesus says the path that I call people to is not a love that is hidden or discreet or on the back burner somewhere, but a path that says Jesus is my love of my life. I love him with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength. And I love people deeply. See, the path of Jesus is an obvious love. Not a hidden love. Not a part-time love. Not as Ronnie Millsap used to write, 99 and 44, 100% pure love. How many of you are old enough to remember that Ronnie Millsap song? Pure love. Baby, it's pure love. 99 and 44, 100. I'm singing Ronnie Millsap in church. Help me, Jesus. We need to pray again, I think. But this call of the Savior, I want someone to get this. This call of the Savior is not for a hidden, I'm just kind of using Jesus as a crutch. I'm kind of using him on Sunday mornings, and I show up every once in a while on a midweek service, and I'm going to put on my Jesus coat when it's expedient or it's convenient. But Jesus says, the path that I am calling you to is a love 24-7, 365 days a year. It's an obvious love. It's an in-your-face love. It's a love that is is boisterous, it's out there, it's not hidden. And then also you are to love people deeply. Because how many have lived long enough to know it's easier sometimes to love God than it is people? But Jesus said these two go together. There's no commandment greater than these. You shall love the Lord with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 32, so the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you've spoken the truth. 
For there's one God and there's no other but he, and to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. He's saying, I'm telling you what the path is right here. He's reiterating to the one who just spoke about the path and making sure he understood what the path was. Notice he repeated the path. To which Jesus responded in verse 34. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. In one breath he told Sadducees, You are so mistaken. In the next breath he told a scribe who got it that you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now just to add a little humor to the equation. The end of verse 34 says, but after that, no one dared question him. <laughs> Everybody say obvious love. Obvious. Let me ask a, a pointed question. Is your love for Jesus showing today? Is it on display? Is it obvious to those around you? Or is it kind of hidden? Back door, back room. The path of Jesus calls for obvious love. All. All the times in that verse he said all. All your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Everything. Obvious love. Secondly, the path of Jesus is the path of simple obedience. Everybody say simple obedience. Hey, hey, listen, this is not so complex that we can't do this. I don't understand the Bible, Pastor. I get in Habakkuk in the Old Testament and my brain starts melting down. I read all the begats and I can't get through them. It's just kind of puzzling to me. It's just, it's complex. I don't know about this grace thing and this mercy thing. Can I tell you something? That is not, the Lord doesn't take joy in making something so difficult for us that we can't approach him. He said, come boldly to my throne. The path of Jesus is a path of simple obedience. This is why John recorded the words of Jesus when the Lord Jesus declared it like this in John 14 and 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. It's not hard. If I love him, then I will look at what his commands are in Scripture, and I'll walk out those. Simple obedience. Jesus is initially challenging and speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 4. In verse number 18, watch this. It's just simple. Everybody say it's simple. Look at someone around you and say, it's not, it's not so hard. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Sometimes if we want to know what the scripture says, we have to first of all know what it doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus came up to the boat 
and said, follow me and allow me to tell you the price that you will have to pay for following me. You will sometimes not have a house to live in. You will have people mock you. Simon, you're going to be crucified upside down, tradition says, and you're going to die a martyr's death. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of miracles, a lot of neat stuff happen, but people are going to ridicule you, and they're going to accuse you of being one of my followers. I just got to make sure you understand all the costs here. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that simply Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The call, the path of Jesus is simple obedience. Follow him, and he'll make something of us. Follow him, and he'll make something of our situation. Follow him, and he'll make something of our future. Follow him, simple obedience. Oh, God, I want to count all the costs. I want to know how much I got to invest in this. No, Jesus said, just simply follow me. We go to that passage in Matthew 4, and the scripture says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. See, the path of Jesus is simple obedience. Everybody say simple obedience. I think sometimes, and, and please hear me today, I think sometimes we, and I put myself in the middle, can make some things about following Jesus way too complex. Let me just give you a good example. When I, when I was a kid, I, I, I've grown up in churches that had worship kind of like we have here at this church all my life. So I've been around that kind of church service my whole life. And uh, I remember, and so I, I, I want to reiterate, I've been around it my whole life. So like nothing that we did today or demonstrative, none of that like throws me and goes, ooh, that's weird. Never. Um. To prove that, I'm going to chase a rabbit here for just a second. When I was in college, I was on the platform. I was playing my trumpet. I used to play trumpet years ago. And I was playing my trumpet in the band for the service. And I had all I could take. Jesus was all over me. And so I thought, I'm going to get out there and just rejoice in the presence of God and run around the church and just expend some of this energy that I have. And I came up out of the orchestra area, the band area, and I came jumping up down on the on the, the floor, and I was just going to kind of dance around a little bit. And when I did, when I landed, Paul Larner from England was already in the altar area, and he was praising God, and he was giving it one of these. Woo, woo, woo. And when I came down on the floor, his hand connected with my face. <laughs> we didn't plan it. I didn't say, hey, can you punch me? You know, none of that. But he kind of stunned me, and I thought, well... I'm down here to worship, so I just started worshiping God. And I noticed, the funny thing was, I noticed while I was worshiping that everybody was turning and looking at me. And that kind of fueled me a little bit. And Brother Andre, I decided, you know what? I'm not doing it for them anyways. I'm going to take another lap. Woo! And everybody's just turning around looking at me. I got up back to where the band was playing, and I grabbed my handkerchief, and I, I wiped my face, and I, I had been bleeding all down my face. <laughs> he had cold-cocked me. Didn't mean to, but just cold-cocked me, busted my lip and all that. But here's the thing. Here, here's why I chased that rabbit. I remember as a child thinking, now, you know what? If, the, if this service 
will just get right. And if that praise team will sing that song, then I'm going to really feel like I can go ahead and Now, it would have to get really good for me to step out in the aisle. But, it, but if, it, if the choir started worshiping and if sister so-and-so would get excited and if pastor would give it one of these going around the altar, if that would happen, I'd feel a little bit more liberty. You know what? I decided years ago to check all that at the door. Because you know what? When you start a church and you got four people in the church, you can't wait on people to worship and praise God. I remember walking around a living room saying, oh, God, I'm praising you. I wish somebody else would right now. God, I'm praising you. Hey, can I tell you something? we got to make this simple, folks. We're in his presence. We have breath in our body. We've got hands and we've got energy. We might as well let the praises of God be in our mouth. It's simple obedience. It's simple praise. It's not trying to figure everything out and put it through our little prism of under. The, the word of God says to praise him, so I'm going to praise him on Sunday morning. I'm going to praise him during the week. I'm going to simply obey what he has to say. Come on, is this making sense to somebody? It's simple obedience. Follow me. I'll make something of your life. They immediately left their nets. Matthew 9, Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Simple obedience. It's the path of Jesus. The path of Jesus is also the path of self-sacrifice. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 16. Would you look there in your, in your Bible? Behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, Go, sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 24, and again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now lest you think that this is a prohibition against wealth, it is not. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man 
who is shackled by his riches. Because the issue was not that he was rich. The issue was the riches had him. Jesus uses this interesting wording when he says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Now, the other day I was clearing off something on our counter at home and I saw a pack of sewing needles that my wife has for her sewing room. And I have to admit something that it is so easy in reading the Bible to filter things through a a mindset of like a Western mindset. So easy to do that. And so like, I won't belabor this, but like if I hold up one of those needles and I think, yeah, it really would be hard. For a camel. But do you remember I said that Jerusalem has eight gates, and gates are a, 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 something they're knowledgeable of? Uh, I, I want to show you, I show you a, one of the gates in Jerusalem. And can they put this on the screen? That's one of the gates in Jerusalem. And that is called the Eye of the Needle Gate. Now, I want you to, to see it's, it's the green gate back there that's kind of opened up. And on the surface, we might say, well, that, that's, that's that whole gate right there. Actually, the eye of the needle part is the open boxed area at the bottom. Do you see that? Are you with me? I don't have my pointer here today. <laughs> but just to the left of the couple is the, what looks like more like a door opening like we're used to. That's the actual eye of the needle part of the gate. Now, let me show you a drawing from the city of Nazareth that shows it in a little bit different light. Show this next picture here. That's an eye of the needle gate in Nazareth. Now, on the surface, it would not be difficult. If you throw that whole thing open, that camel is walking on through. But if the eye of the needle part is the little door, I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but that camel's going to have a little harder time getting through. The rider's going to have to dismount. All the bags are going to have to be taken off. And by the way, if you've never ridden a camel, I have, so I know this to be true. Camels can do amazing things. They can get down on their knees and crawl like a dog on the ground. So could a camel go through that lower door part? Yes, it could, but it's difficult and it requires sacrifice of everything that was on top of it, the rider that's on top of it, the baggage that's on top of it. There's got to be a dismounting of something if that camel's going to go through that eye of the needle gate. And Jesus says, when you're on my path, when you're on the Jesus path, you've got to dismount off of that. You've got to lay aside some things. Why? Because the path of Jesus is a path of self-sacrifice. We don't come to him on our own terms. We come to him saying, Lord, I sacrifice who I am to pick up who you are. Amen. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus told this, this rich young ruler that he talked about this eye of the needle thing. The Jesus path that he professed to this man was this. Go sell 
give, come, follow. I've done all that stuff, Jesus. What do I still lack? And Jesus says, here's what you lack. You're lacking self-sacrifice. And in order to get self-sacrifice, you go, you sell, you give, you come, you follow. Let me, let me finish by saying this. I think that is too often that humanity can look at God through the lens of salvation. Please hear me. I don't want to be mistaken with what I'm saying right now. But we can look at Jesus as just being our Savior. When can I tell you something? He wants to provide salvation for us right now. But then he wants to take our life and bring wholeness to us in a way that goes far beyond salvation. This young man was only worried in getting to heaven, inheriting heaven, in just being saved. But can I tell, as, as great and as important as salvation is, we're not getting to heaven without being saved. But Jesus has more for our life than simply missing hell. He's got completeness and wholeness and righteousness in mind for us. He's got a life for us that is full of joy and blessing and provision. Go, sell, give, come, follow. New Testament living is a call to go beyond salvation to completeness, to perfection. Jesus' call to this young man was not just simply to make it to heaven. He said, if you want to be perfect, that's a New Testament word for completeness. If you want to be complete, go. Admit that the way that I am right now is not complete. Sell, admit that what I possess is not what makes me complete. Give, it's a call to selfless life, not selfish life. Come, that's an invitation to come where Jesus is, not with him come where I am, but for me to come where he is, follow. That means to imitate him. If you and I open up our Bible, we'll see all throughout the New Testament the impact of these few New Testament words in other passages of Scripture, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go teach all nations, baptizing, teaching, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will the Lord give back to you. Come to me, all you who are labor, laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This call to completeness is hugely important to us today. It's the path of Jesus. It's the path of Jesus. I want to ask our musicians to come, and I'm going to finish this sermon. So the Lord had dealt with me about the main part of this, this sermon over the last number of days. And then it was just yesterday when it was like the Lord gave me a little addendum. And the addendum was, oddly enough, a passage that I really hadn't thought connected to this sermon. 
but I'm just going to be obedient to what the Lord spoke to me yesterday. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Again, understand that this involved oil in a vessel build up that had to be pushed away so that the light could spring forth even more. That's the trimming of the lamp. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready. Everybody say those who were ready. Those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, doesn't say how long, but sometime afterward, after the door was shut, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. <clears throat> I used to hear my pastor preach from Matthew chapter 25, and I had a confluence of emotions that hit me when I would hear this passage. The first one is I would think, man, it just doesn't seem fair. Because I'm thinking, you know, if you got 10 bridesmaids that you chose for the wedding, and eventually when it comes time for the wedding, just due to some circumstances, like there would be the groom who would stand in the house or the ballroom or wherever the wedding was taking place and the bridesmaid would, would say, hey, open up. Sorry, we're late. Open up. And the, the groom would say, 
I don't know who you are. That just seemed a little unfair to me. And honestly, now that I've been married a few years, it sounds like a real problem in that marriage to start off with, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know how the bride's going to go, yeah, that's okay, just leave them out there. And then I used to think, well, what was the deal? Was it just that they were lazy? Was it, uh, was it just that they, what was it about these, these five? Because the Bible doesn't say they were evil. The Bible says they were foolish. In fact, he, he brings this comparison between wise and foolish. And he says the wise took their lamps and took oil with their lamps. But the foolish just took their lamps and probably whatever oil was in their lamps. They didn't take any extra. So what was the problem? What was the sin? What was the issue? And, and I know you may have a different opinion on this, so I'll just kind of share with you what I, I kind of felt as I was praying about this. The problem, the real issue here, was the sin of presumption. That we'll have time to get ready. Because the issue that brought them entrance, the five wise ones, into the wedding was they were ready. The issue with the foolish is they were not ready. And through whatever excuse they could come up with, they just presumed they had time. So I feel it important to rise in this pulpit at the final few minutes of this sermon and say to this wonderful church family and wonderful group of people that are assembled here together, this wonderful group of people, I believe there is coming a time when we won't have another chance to be ready. How foolish to not get on Jesus' path. How foolish is it to assume I've just got time. Can I just say, you and I don't have to live like that. You and I don't have to live where we wake up in the morning hoping that it doesn't get worse in the world. You and I don't have to live hoping that I can maybe have a few more days because I'm still kind of wrestling with this. We don't have to live like that. In fact, to live like that is to be presumptuous that we still have more time. I don't want one person in this church to be lost. I don't want one man or woman in this, in this room to go to hell. I don't want one teenager to go to hell. I don't want one young adult to not make it to heaven someday. And so I'm rising and I feel a burden in my spirit and it's something the Lord just laid on me last night different from perhaps this, this whole sermon of the Jesus path, but I do think it dovetails into this. We cannot allow ourselves to become presumptuous thinking we got time, we're in charge, we'll come on our own terms. I feel the call of the Spirit today to make sure we hear it some again and some for the first time. Today is the day of salvation. Well, I got, I got to be honest with you. 
I got to let the spirit of, uh, of the Lord come on me right now. I would not leave this house if you've not made it right with Jesus. You say, Pastor, you got something in your mind. The Lord spoke to you about me. No, I don't have anybody in mind right now. I just know the Bible is clear. The sin, as far as I can tell, was that they presumed on their own timeline and their own experience, and they missed out on the marriage. They missed out on the very thing that they were supposed to take joy in. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Miss it. I want you to stand with me right now. And this altar, this prayer area is open right now. For anybody who would like to make sure you're on the path. I told our prayer team before we walked in here, I've asked God to do three things today there'd be people that would get on the path. You're not on the path. You need to get on the path today. There'd be people that would get back on the path. You used to be on the path, but you're not on it now. Get back on the path. And that there would be people in here that would stay on the path. Now's not the time to go the opposite direction. Now's not the time to backslide. Now's not the time to get worldly. Now's not the time to get carnal. We're, we're far too far into this thing right now, folks. The Lord could come. The Lord could come before we eat turkey on Thursday. The Lord is coming back for his church. And it's time to make sure our path is his path. The Jesus path. The simple obedience path. Come on, that's it. Cry out to the Lord right now. Cry out to the Lord right now. Come on, get back on the path, sir. Come on, get back on the path, ma'am. Oh, yes, oh, yes, come on. Come on, if you don't feel an urge in your spirit, why don't you go ahead and push through for somebody that's around you right now? Why don't you let a spirit of intercessory prayer come on you right now? Hallelujah. Somebody get on the Jesus path. Somebody get on the Jesus path. Don't, don't be foolish. Don't presume on time. I hope we got a long, long time. I hope we got a bunch more years. But somebody's going to be alive on the earth when Jesus comes. Somebody's going to be alive on the earth when the sky splits and Jesus comes for his church. Come on, enter into that completeness. Enter into that wholeness. Enter into that life of self-sacrifice, laying our agenda down, laying our desires down. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Somebody get on the Jesus path. Somebody get back on the Jesus path. Come on, his grace is sufficient. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to every generation. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you pray till you pray through today? Why don't you pray till you speak with tongues today? Why don't you pray till you have a breakthrough in your spirit today? Come on, the Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite spirit. That kind of spirit, God will not despise that. He will not push that away. 
Come on, it's in our brokenness that he brings wholeness. It's in our weakness that he brings strength. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Push past foolishness. Push past foolishness. If you feel, I wish you'd pray with those around you right now. If you're on the path, thank God for that. Stay on the path. But I wish you'd reach over to somebody, pray and say, God, keep them on the path. Get them on the path. Let them, let them respond to your word. Let them not push away from the conviction of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, young people. Come on, it's too late to be playing games. Come on, elders, it's too late to be cold and indifferent. Come on, preachers, it's too late to be critical. We got to be on the path. We got to get on that Jesus path. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, young people. That's it. Cry out to the Lord right now. Pray till you break through in your spirit right now. Come on, pray till there's a breaking in your spirit right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Come on, if you've repented of your sins, you need to be baptized today. You need to be baptized today. The Word of God commands that. Come on, you'll have people surround you, pray with you. Pray for that strength in your life. Pray for that strength in your life. Come on, my friend. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. Hallelujah.